Well, welcome everyone. My name is Tanya, one of the pastors here at River Point and West End Church. And I want to start by saying hello to everybody at West End. It was so fun to be out at the Thursday service this week. And Missouri City, I hope you're doing great. I want to say hello to all of the guys at the Ramsey unit. I'm so glad that you came to church today. And of course, welcome to everyone who joins us online in Houston and really all around the world. Well, happy Thanksgiving week, everyone. It's, it's already a I love Thanksgiving. I, I love all those recipes that are passed down from generation to generation. You've got Aunt Lucy's casserole and Uncle Joe's stuffing or whatever it is. And I love the stories. Do you, does your family have stories that you have to tell every single year? I'm going to tell you one of mine. So several years ago, I was hosting Thanksgiving, the meal and my in-laws were coming. And so my mother-in-law mother is a quintessential pie baker. So she does a pumpkin and a, and a pecan. And I mean, it, she, it's an, an apple. They're just to die for. But she didn't want to make them ahead of time because she wanted them to be fresh. So I got everything out in my kitchen, all the staples, flour, salt, sugar, butter, everything for it. Took her whole, the whole day to make these pies. And so the way we do it, we, you know, we sit down to our Thanksgiving dinner. And then after dinner, there's almost like a presentation you know, of the pie. So you put your pie order in, she brings you your individual piece of pie, and then everyone holds, you hold, and then simultaneously everyone takes that bite together. So that's happening. We all raise the fork, we get to the mouth, and then what you think is going to happen is everyone's going to go, oh, oh, wow, incredible. There's dead silence. Like every pie person is dead silent. Everyone's going like this with their mouths. Come to find out she'd exchanged my salt for my sugar. Oh my gosh, just think, sorry, I ruined your morning. Now everyone's going, oh God, you know, apple, salty, apple pie, not good. But I, <clears throat> I wish you a very sweet and not salty Thanksgiving <laughs> this week. But listen, I've loved this, uh, the timing to this series on faith in light of just all the things that have gone on in the world over the past couple of years. I mean, it, it's been kind of crazy. How many times have you said or heard someone say, you know, it's crazy out there. You know, I think the world's gone a little bit crazy right now. I've said it about my own self. I've said, I think I'm just a little bit, you know, crazy right now. And, and chaos and crazy, it can come in seasons and all shapes and forms. So I remember a really crazy season when my kids were little and we just did a baby dedication here at Richmond, a child dedication. And that season, that can be crazy. And I remember I had three kids under four. So that's crazy in and of itself. But the only way you could get away from the chaos was essentially to take a shower. So I remember turning my kids over to my husband, and I kid you not, I'd just closed the bathroom door, and I could like hear all their voices. It was like they were pressed up against the door, and this is my visual of that season. I look over, and all six of their little hands are coming under the door. Come, like, looks like they're coming. They couldn't stay away. It's such a, but it can be it can be a global thing too. I mean, we have war in the world. It could be politics, which we won't talk about. It could be the economy. Or it could be things in your job or a friendship that's broken, something, something in your family. I think if you're dating right now, that can go crazy real quickly. Or it could just be all of our crazy schedules together. So the question that I want to ask today is this. It's what does faith and what I believe it's byproduct peace 
look like in the midst of the crazy and the chaos of life? What does that look like? And to do that, I actually want to introduce you to someone. I want to introduce you to a historical figure. His name is Gideon. We find him in the Old Testament. He was a Hebrew warrior, and there was a lot of crazy and chaos going on around him. The nation of Israel had turned their back on God, and there was, there was war. There was unrest. There was a lack of leadership. And on top of that, Gideon and his army, they had been in an ongoing battle for seven years with some people from the land of Midian. They were appropriately called Midianites. And they'd been coming down and burning their crops, stealing their food, and just wreaking havoc on them for seven years straight. So Gideon and his troops were just discouraged and and tired and defeated. So rather than me tell you what happens in the story, I'm going to give you just a little preview. Um, God steps in. He uses Gideon. Gideon wins, and God wins in the end. But I don't want to just tell you about it. I thought it would be more fun for us in light of the fact that we've gotten really good at doing post-victory interviews here because, you know, we may or may not have won the World Series. If we did a post-victory interview with Gideon himself, I thought that would be super fun. So what I want you to do is join me, all of our campuses, in welcoming Gideon out here. We'll see if we can get his attention. Come on, y'all. All right, all right, all right, let's go. Oh, Woo! wow. Okay. Yeah. Hang on, wow. I gotta get my playbook. Okay. Wow, a lot going on here. I guess. Uh, Had to get my playbook. Yeah, right. I guess the, right. the party's really Let's going go. on Let's back go. there yeah. uh, in the locker room. That's. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, listen, uh, let's just start, get started. Congratulations, man, on your big win against the Midianites. Seven years in the making. I mean, that, that's just incredible. All glory to God on this one. All glory to God. We hear that a lot in interviews around yeah. here. Yeah, I know. No, but wait, I, I'm serious. All glory to God. I mean, you have to realize I had over 20,000 soldiers getting ready to go to war against 32,000 hardened Midianite warriors, and God whittled me down to 300. Wow. I got right? I I mean, to take some notes go ahead. Yeah, about but, that. But I mean, yeah. look, the second things got scary, 20,000 of my guys went straight into the transfer portal. Gone like that, right? I mean, they went home. And then the rest of them failed the test. So I ended up with 300 men against 32,000 soldiers, and we won. There is no explanation for that victory other than God. Yeah, well, I got to say, those, those are some incredible stats there. I mean, it must, have, it must have taken so much faith to do that. Have you always been kind of a like, big faith guy? Uh, well, I mean, I, when the season started and God called me up, uh, I was actually <laughs> in the bottom of a wine press threshing wheat. Oh, that makes total sense. So I, I did get ready for this interview, so I did a little research. So I, just what I know about threshing, like you do that on a threshing floor at the top of a hill so the wind can come along and separate the wheat from the chaff, and it just seems like a wine press is in the valley, you know, where the, where the grapes are, and it's sticky and hot. I just don't see how that would work, work very well uh, for you. Well, I, so the way you describe it is the way you're supposed to do it, okay. out in the open, up on the hill, unless you're a coward. Oh. I mean... I was hiding. I mean, you got to remember, 
it was chaos out there. I mean, the Midianites had been kicking our tails up and down the field season after season for seven years. I mean, they were stealing our crops. They were killing our livestock. They were burning our villages. They were terrorizing our people. I mean, it, it was like a locust plague had come down on us. So, I mean, some of my family were actually living in the rocks in caves to get away. So, I was hiding. I mean, I was scared. I was worried. And, and being in that wine press gave me this sense like I was maybe in control. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense. It was just so confusing to me, you know, why a, a warrior would become a thresher. And then if you're going to become a thresher, then why would you be threshing in a wine press? I didn't know if you liked to drink while you work. I, I just didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know what was going on there. I didn't know. I, I mean, first of all, you got to realize I wasn't always this warrior you see in front of you right now. Okay. Mm, I mean, I, I am the least in my father's household. My clan is the weakest in our tribe. I mean, every year when the polls come out, we're the bottom. <laughs> okay? So I was down there hiding, and an angel of the Lord appears to me. Oh, that's always been a confusing part of the story. Like, like so who, who's the angel? Seriously. Well, I, I know now it was God. Okay. That had to be really scary. I mean, what, really, what did God want with you? Well, so the, the angel shows up and he looks at me and he says, the Lord is with you, almighty warrior. And I, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this, this warrior that's hiding in the wine press, that's that this war. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, the Lord is with me. I mean, wait, if the Lord is with me, why are we in this mess? You know, I mean, I had heard story after story after story of how God had delivered his people, how he had parted seas, how he destroyed the enemies. So if the Lord is with me, why are we in this chaos? It's a little bit bitter. Just yeah. li well, I'll write that down. Yeah. A little bit I mean, <laughs> I, I was, but, you know, he, he looked at me. And he said something, well, you know, I, I've got it in my playbook. I brought my playbook oh, wow. with that's me. Wow, that's a really fancy playbook. I bet, I bet there's a lot of good stuff in it there. Is, I, yeah. I, it is a good playbook. He looks at me and he says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Wow. So that was when you and just went out and beat those Midians, right? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, <laughs> no. Not quite. Not quite. Right. I, I needed to know. I, I knew something was going on, but what, what, what am I encountering here? So I, I made the decision. Let me go in. Let me get some food. And I prepared an offering. And I put it down in front of him. And the angel takes his staff, touches it, burns up. The whole thing just goes up in flames. Wow. And now I know I'm in the presence of God. And I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm going to die. Because that's what happens when you're in the presence of God. You die. And he looks at me and he says something I'll, I'll never forget. I mean, matter of fact, I, I wrote it down. I've kept it in my wallet all season. Oh, you season. had a wallet. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I kept this in my wallet all season because it, it's just brought me. He said, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So peace. So I... Right there, I built an altar, and I called it, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. I, I, I love Jehovah that Jehovah Shalom. Yeah. So now you, you went to war, and you won against the Midianites, right? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. I knew now I was, I was in the presence of God, but, I mean, it had been seven years. 
I was still trying to control this situation, and I needed to know he was going to do what he said he was going to do, so I decided to test him. Oh, you, you tested God. Yeah. Most of us don't really admit it when we do that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, said, I said, all right, God, here, uh, uh, what, I'm going to put a piece of fleece, a piece of wool out on the ground tonight. And if I wake up in the morning and the fleece is wet, but the ground is dry, then I'll know you're with me. Mm, wow. I, I'd have been checking that thing every couple of minutes, you know, kind of like a, like a pregnancy test or something. I bet you were up all, I bet you were up all night long. I, bet well, I, don't, I don't know what that is, but I... Uh, <laughs> That's good. I, I had a sleepless night. Let's just put it that way. I, but I woke up the next morning and I go out there and the fleece is wet and the ground is dry. But I'm not quite ready to give up control yet. And I said, okay, so don't be mad at me. One more time. I said, how about this time I wake up and the fleece is dry, but the ground is wet. Oh, so you tested God twice. Two God. times. Yeah, two times. Uh, yeah. But you know what? I woke up and the fleece is dry and the ground is wet. I mean, at that point, I realized I'm not in control here. He is. Let's go. Let's do this. Wow. With 300 men? 300 men. I mean, but he had said he was going to be with me. He said that we would defeat the Midians as if we were, they were one person. So for all of my worry, all of my fear, all of my efforts to control the situation... God's saying, trust me, have faith, and I will bring peace to the situation. And, and so, I mean, go back to what I said at the beginning of the interview, all glory to God. He did what he said he was going to do, and he brought peace. Such an incredible story. Well, I, I got to ask you, I know you want to get back to the I locker room. I, I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> One more question. I'm sure you're already annoyed by this, but I'm just curious, you know, what's, what's up for you next season? Like, are, are you going to retire? You're going to plant a vineyard? I don't know. What, what's next for you? Well, I'll tell you what I'm not going to do. Okay. I'm not, not going back do. to that wine press. Got it. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to try and live my life in more faith that God's in control. I mean, he's brought peace to the land. I get to put my sword up, and I, I, I'm going to start to understand that he's in control, and I'm not. But right now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back to the party. All right. So, All right. All right, congratulations. <laughs> that was really so awesome. That, that is just so amazing. Hey, well, well, listen, you guys, this is in real life. This is uh, Jamie Webster. So Jamie is, and his wife, um, they have been part of River Point and Western Church for over 20 years. He's actually finishing his seminary degree, and he's interning here with us. I think we should give him an A for this. What do you think? <laughs> so great. Thank you, Jamie. So great. Hey, well, listen, if, if you want to read more about Gideon and his story, you can do that in your Bibles in the Old Testament. You can begin in, in Judges chapter 6 and, and check that out. And there are some pretty crazy stories, actually, in the Old Testament. This is one of them. But I really love how, you know, the reality is it's so relatable. Each and every one of us has our own version of what we look like when we're threshing and we're hanging out in a wine press. So I love that part. And I love how God stepped in at the very beginning and he called him, you know, oh, valiant warrior. I mean, even though he didn't look like it at this point, you know, God saw something in Gideon that Gideon really didn't see in his own self. In fact, I think this is true, that God sees us 
for who he created us to be, of who he really designed us to be. So he begins wherever we are, you know, even if we are in that wine press. He sees us beyond all that. And he also didn't approach Gideon with shame. It's not like he came in and went, oh my gosh, I can't, what are, what are you thinking? What are you doing down here? You know, really? Instead, he gives Gideon a brand new perspective. He gives him this. The best place to see how much God is in control is in the situations we never had control of to begin with. I think, I think we're just so self-deceived here. And honestly, what I found is that control and kind of its naughty cousin worry are two of the ways that I'm really challenged when it comes to my faith. So today, I want to finish up our time talking about those challenges and the tension that really exists there. Now, for me, the desire and that need for control, it's, it starts up here. It's all up in my head. It, it's in my mind. That's where I'm doing all of my thrushing. So I'm overthinking, I'm analyzing, I'm strategizing, I'm hashing, I'm rehashing all the things. Or, or I'm trying to figure it out, whatever it is, or I'm kind of arrogantly trying to figure God out. So when I found out that my young daughter had stage three aggressive on cancer that was very, very rare. Everything felt out of control to me. It was so chaotic. And of course, I wanted her to get the very best doctor. So what do you do when you need to get the best doctor? You, you Google it. And we found it was, it was amazing. There was a doctor in Dallas who specialized in this. She was internationally known. And so we sent all her medical records over there for her review. And the next day, the nurse called and said, I'm so sorry, but there's no way the doctor's going to be able to see your daughter. She has a hundred files here, and your daughter's at the bottom, and she needs to be treated right away. You guys need to move on. So, so we did. But two days later, you guys, that same nurse called back and said, I have no clue how this happened, but the doctor saw your daughter's record, and she really thinks she can help her. She wants to treat her, and she wants to invite her. I know. It's an amazing thing into the practice. So listen, y'all, I'm not saying don't Google it or don't find, you know, the best doctor. That'd be silly. But let's be aware of how much we overestimate how much control that we really have. And if you think about it, you know, knowledge is another way that we strive to be in control of things. That's what Gideon was doing with all those tests and all those fleeces he had out here. So here's the thing. You know, God is never asking us to figure it all out. But he is asking us to trust him and by faith to, to walk it out, to walk out the process. And what that means is he's more concerned about you seeing him in the process than you trying to make sense of all of that chaos. Now, besides control, I think worry is another way that we try and manage all of the chaos. So worry says, you know, God might not have my best interest in mind, or maybe he doesn't get all the details, so I guess I better just go ahead and worry about it. So it's just another version of doing that threshing of the weed. And think about it, you know, all of Gideon's worrying, it was actually cutting him off from God as the source of his peace. In fact, Jesus said this about worry, and I love it when Jesus is just a little bit sarcastic. He said, and which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Well, of course, we're not going to add hours to our lifespan by worrying, and I think research would show that we might, you know, take off a few hours by doing that. 
But, but the fact that God appeared to Gideon as the God of peace, it's just so awesome because the whole idea of peace and the word peace to the Hebrews, it actually meant order. So God showed up as the God of order to Gideon when everything around him is, 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 is out of order, not making sense. I mean, no wonder he built that altar there and he called it Jehovah Shalom or the Lord is peace or the Lord of order. I love that because here's the thing about peace. Peace isn't going to be the absence of chaos. It's this deep rooted tranquility in the midst of all of the chaos. In fact, Jesus said this about peace. He said, these things I've spoken to you, then in me, you might have peace. In the world, it's just the way it is. You're gonna have some trouble, but be of good cheer, be encouraged, be of hope, because I win in the end. You know, I've, I've overcome the world. And I, I love that picture of overcoming. Again, peace isn't gonna be the absence of trouble. It comes from faith and hope in the midst of the trouble. So I get it. Peace, sometimes it can be the result of something. But most often, it's in spite of something. There's always going to be something playing in the background, whether it is a, a sick a child or a crazy job or work environment, or maybe it just is your schedule right now. So Paul, he was an avid follower of Jesus. He had a lot of crazy going on around him. He gives us a better way to approach all of this anxiety and worry and control. He says this, be anxious, and I love the extremes here, by the way. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, by having a conversation with God about it, with thanksgiving, let your requests, tell him about it, let your requests be made known to God. And what will happen? The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, all of the threshing, all of the confusion, all of the chaos, all of the trying to make sense of it, will, and I love this word, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we, by faith, speak our requests to God, he gives us this peace and protection from all of that anxiety and all that worry. You know, this is why we want to make faith our starting point rather than our last resort. We want to begin with faith rather than getting in the middle of it all and then going, oh, well, I, you know, I guess I better get some, some God up in here in my life. And the piece he's talking about here, it's not like babies and bunnies and, and lambs and streams. It's a military term. It means it's going to stand guard over our, our hearts and our will and our emotions and, and over our minds where we overthink and try and and manage it all. I mean, that's why he says it's beyond human logic and human comprehension. So later, Paul paints another great picture of it. I love this one too. He says this, let, and that's really the operative word. I mean, this is a volitional choice that I make. I could even put my name in here. You could put your name in here right now. Don't, don't say it out loud because that's weird, but say it to yourself. So I could say, Tanya, you know, let girl, let, let the peace of Christ do something, rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So ruling here, it's the picture of deciding as an umpire, you know, letting peace have the final word, or, or have the final say. 
So uh, Astros fans, and if you're not, so sorry. But uh, in game six, do you remember this? Alex Bregman stole second. And the ruling on the field originally was safe. And then upon further review, and they looked at the tape, all the umpires decided he was unfortunately out. But they had the final call. They had the final say. So here's the thing. At any time, you can stop and kind of watch yourself and see what's going on in your mind or, or how you're acting and say, whoa, what's ruling right here? Anxiety, worry, control, or faith and peace? And I don't know what you're threshing right now. I know I've been threshing some things even this week as I've been preparing this message. But what I do know is that God wants to meet you in whatever wine press you're in, you know, just, just like he did with Gideon. And, and I get it. It may feel like you've got 300 warriors versus 32,000. But here's the thing, and this is my challenge to you for the holidays. Would you do this? When you see that, would you make that choice to trade in that threshing and let the peace of Christ that surpasses all human comprehension guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus? I know that that's what God wants for you, and I want that for you and for me as well. So would you pray with me?